Oh my god, get out of my crotch, you dumb bitch. Not me. <laughs> no. He's talking about the dog. The dog. She never. would never call me that. <laughs> and I would she never totally t- would call me that. <laughs> and I would never tell you to get out of my crotch. That's what about <laughs> Yeah, that's that was a part of <laughs> no, it. No. I'm yawning. Hi, I'm Olivia. And I'm Kelly, and this is a Court of Theories podcast, where we deep dive all things Akatar, Throne of Glass, and Crescent City. This podcast contains spoilers. Do we want to talk about Bryce? B. Rice? Yeah, tell me about Bryce. So, I'm pretty excited about this. This is fun. Also... By the time, I know that we wished her a happy birthday, but by the time this comes out, it will be two days after Emily's birthday, allegedly, according to Reddit. And I know you have not listened to the last episode yet, but I do want you to know that there is a part that I was crying laughing whenever I was editing because I was like, she is like a pillar to this podcast. Like, And you thought I was fucking talking talking about you. (laughs) I played it for Casey the other day and... I'm here to tell you, it was, I was laughing and he said, you're really mean to her for agging her on like that. And I was like, agging her on? I just got done talking about Emily's birthday. (sighs) Anyways, first off, so of course I was on the Reddit um, and I never really hung out on Reddit until we, there's a lot of stuff on there. There's a lot of stuff on here. I used to be afraid of Reddit. Yeah, it's a place where I... You have to really be careful. <laughs> you have to really like, be careful. There's like secret rules of Reddit and like people will rip you apart if you are stupid, essentially. Yeah, that's it's why kind I don't... It's a tough place to be. That's why I don't comment on anything. Yeah. I'll just read... This one is Crescent City SJM Reddit threads. And this one is posted by Camel Complete 9351 and it was like four days ago. Okay, let's see. And it says, I just found this very interesting... And then it says Bryce mated with dot. And I was like, what is this? And so they put on here, I have been waiting to find any proof of this that I can. And today is that day. I remember in an older interview with Mass saying she always wanted to do a polygamous relationship. Is this it? Are my dreams coming true? And it is literally best polyamory romance books. And then like on a sponsored post, it's literally House of Flame and Shadow. Yeah. And so I was like, what? And then she goes, are they? Sorry, I don't know. I don't know who. Camel complete 9351. I don't want to misgender. <laughs> they. Uh, because I do love Bryce and Hunt together. It's not as flashy or passionate like faded mates, but they pick each other and they fit together in their own way. Yes, Mass did also say they are mates in an interview recently. I do agree, but I would also love her and As together. Why can't she have both? There are multiple little hints I've picked up on. And one big one that stuck out to me is how mass intently describes the mating relationship of all the different types of creatures. Angels choose their mates. Fae and wolves are similar in the Insta connection or sense of the other. And I don't think it goes into others, which was brought up in both books in different ways. They say, also, I wish I saved it, but someone went hard on proving as was her mate instead of Hunt, probably him, (laughs) by describing similar excerpts from other mass stories when they encounter their mates for the first time. 
high chew ASMR. Damn, 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 damn. I can say it faster if you want, but we'll wait. We'll wait. I'll I'll catch you off guard. I'm sure we'll have to trademark. I think, I think that's part of what it is. Is like I can say it even faster. Well, no, just like the off guard, like catching oh. off guard. Like I love whenever like humor is like. <laughs> I was gonna say when humor is like intelligent. <laughs> So you're like not like yours like <laughs> no i just mean like intelligent humor dm 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 like <laughs> like no I just, that's actually I the know how to say it like that's actually the title of my memoir oh my god and i'll just i'll have it under my maiden name because <laughs> i didn't get any smarter being married <laughs> Sorry, Casey. <laughs> Anyways, what? I don't know. <laughs> like whenever, whenever stuff like that is like organic and like, whenever a joke is like, it lands. It's a highly sophisticated sense of humor. You wouldn't understand. Um, wow, like Michael okay. Scott. Says uh, well, that. I was about to say, okay, Dwight. Like <laughs> yeah, Michael Scott says that. No. But I just mean like <laughs> you miss I all the know. shots you don't take. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. Michael yeah, Scott. Michael Scott. Yeah, essentially. Whenever a joke doesn't have to be like over-explained, I guess. I love that shit. It makes me feel smart, so I love that. So I don't know. Just instead of being like, oh, we should copyright that. We should trademark that. We should whatever. You're just like, damn, damn, damn. And it's just funny. I don't know. I think it's, it's because funny. I'm hilarious. Exactly. Yep. Bryce and Asriel. No, right, 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 right. right. What if they're related? I've got this thing like... I know, but anyways. But also, what if Asriel and Hunt are related? Can you really be in a polyamorous relationship? With sure. Them? Why not? The Greeks did it. Let's go through mythology. Okay, let's talk about the other. Let's just go through mythology. You know what? Katie Robert, she writes about it a lot. Okay? She writes about it a lot. One, four, one, two, three. That's my security code I need. (laughs) On here that you just told everybody? It expires in 60 seconds. It's fine. Oh. It's not working anyways. Oh, by the time that this podcast comes out, it will be expired. Probably like me. Because I've been having some major pancreas pains post (laughs) post Thanksgiving. As I said over here, and like, drink a sugary Coke and like, eat high juice. It'll be fine. I have insurance. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. So they went on to say, also, I wish I saved it, but someone went hard on proving as, which probably Emmy was her mate instead of hunt by describing similar X. Ex- oh shit. I already read this. No, no. That was the paragraph above. Lemon that you said was good. I yeah. Like lemon. Oh, I what about grapefruit. Is that good? I'm yeah. going to guess no. Cause there's a lot of them in here. No, there's just a lot of them. Oh, okay. I think they were majorly down at the bottom because I don't get very many of those out. So it's really funny that there's a lot of them in there because I just go in blind because then I pull out all the fucking pina colada ones and they're disgusting. Okay. No, I have not read this. Okay. Also, I wish I saved it, but someone went hard on proving as was her mate instead of hunt by describing similar excerpts from other mass stories where they encounter their mates for the first time, which lines up with Bryce seen as for the first time. And we all know mass recycles some language and phrases again, not hard evidence. And I wish I had the patience to find the exact excerpts and quotes to back up my ideas, but I've just had that feeling honestly, since the first book, she's always surrounded by guys, which, okay, whatever. Um, everybody thinks that they're her mate. Connor's like, Oh, Bryce is my mate. Yeah. Ethan's oh, Bryce is my mate. Okay. Well, first off, Ethan, no, she's not. Calm down. Like, Get it we, we all knew that wasn't true. Calm down. She was trying to bone your brother. She, she, sit down. 
And then they go on to say, I seriously wouldn't be surprised if she had a harem, especially since she is considered a wolf. I would also not be surprised if she was also Connor's mate or if it passed to Ethan. (laughs) Somehow I want Ethan to be with his other star wolf, though. Anyways, this made my night. What do you think? Well, it's not Ethan. I think Ethan is going to end up with his like little mystic little lady friend Mm -hmm. who is going to come back and kill Sabine. 100%. 100%. And I don't know. I just don't think that her and Connor were mates. I think that Connor, and I've said this before, Connor is the equivalent of Sam. Yeah. We're like... She did love him, but not in the way that he loved her and then was going to finally give him a chance. And then, you know, he was offed. <laughs> Danica murdered him in cold blood. Right. She uh, got that syringe and stab- was it stab you in the neck with a knife or what is <laughs> what? I have no idea what you're talking about. And to be honest, I you're will, scaring me. Just I, a little. I will hunt you down and gut you like a oh, fish. Yeah, yeah, you know, they're that one. No, there is. There's something like, I'm going to stab you in the neck. The knife. I so have I a keep, I keep problem. Like touching my cheek to this microphone on accident. It hurts. What? It's like shocking me. It's shocking. <laughs> Is that safe? Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> Listen, d- didn't you uh, sign an NDA and <laughs> no? You signed that waiver the first time. All those when we were children, you said I'm going to sign on to be your friend. And I'm signing my soul and life away. You said no takesy backs. Yep, I said that. And you were like, what's that? And I'm like, nothing. Don't, Don't worry, worry about it. Uh, Don't worry about us, sweetheart. You're fine. You're never going to get your kid back, Janelle. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we sh- let's talk about uh, some theories. Want to? Because I've got more. You ready? Yep. Okay. So, anyways, Bryce in a polyamorous relationship. Anyways. Another one that I found that by our girl, Emiego, you know, two days ago, a Bryce times spoiler observation. Okay. 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 So this, we're going to go from her Reddit post over to, she has a TikTok slide post that I'm sure you've seen, but she posted part of it in Reddit and then somebody was a dick and she's like here here's the link to the tiktok version that i think would she just basically did like a condensed version of it okay so in a recent marie claire interview the august 2023 one sjm stated that her favorite place to write is her desk where she's surrounded by things that remind her of the current book she's writing okay and we read it we saw it i actually think it's linked in our link tree on our instagram so then Marie Claire, where's your favorite place to write? And SJM says, I like to write my, at my desk where I'm surrounded by lots of little items that remind me of either the book I'm writing or things that just make me happy. Cute. SJM then stated that when writing House of Flame and Shadow, she kept a vintage My Little Pony figure that was the inspiration for Jelly Jubilee. So then she says, while writing House of Flame and Shadow, for instance, I had a vintage My Little Pony figure with me that was the inspiration for Bryce's beloved Jelly Jubilee. Uh, Music is also really important to me, and I listen to local classical radio station on an old-fashioned FM radio. When SJM announced the title of Crescent City 3, we were offered a glimpse into her desk, and sure enough, that vintage My Little Pony figure is right there, which, like, we both, like, sent shit to each other about this. And you gotta remember, it was a long time ago. But most importantly, 
This tells us that the items featured in this video aren't just random, but are instead part of the inspiration behind House of Flame and Shadow. Which begs the question, what is the Godzilla toy hinting at that was on her desk? Breathing like blue fire. Call me crazy, but the only connection I have been able to make is to Asriel. In Akamath... <clears throat> Maybe Hunt becomes Godzilla. It's not fire. Who it's is lightning. he? Who is he? Is he Zeus? Is he, he... Orion? Is he... He's everyone. Thur? He's not Apollyon, I'll tell you that. Anyways. Okay. In Akamath, Asriel's siphon is described as being the great eye of a half-slumbering beast from a frozen wasteland. Really? This description matches Godzilla almost perfectly, who is an ancient monster, often asleep at the bottom of the ocean, and also often trapped within ice. In the original 1954 Godzilla, it is proposed that Godzilla was a type of prehistoric inter- intermediary reptile related to both land and sea reptiles that slept deep underwater for millions of years feeding on deep sea shit. (laughs) It cuts off. Godzilla is the most powerful of earth's defenders. Godzilla lives beneath the ocean waves slumbering until he is called upon to face some fearsome threat. And then in Godzilla final wars, Godzilla was sealed under ice in Antarctica for several decades. In each of these scenarios, ice has proven an effective way to trap Godzilla and cause him to go dormant temporarily. So then if Azrael's blue siphons are supposed to be reminiscent of a great eye of this beast, then perhaps there's no coincidence that Godzilla is famed for his glowing blue eyes. Similarly, Godzilla's atomic breath manifests as a sort of blue fire and can also be seen in the toy SGM used in the video. Just Google the Marie Claire interview and it will show you. I'll put it in the show notes. (laughs) Coincidentally, or not perhaps, because Sarah never does anything by coincidence. It's always so well plotted and thought out. And she probably put that Godzilla on the table and was like, get it, Emily. (laughs) Go, girl, go. Asriel, and specifically his siphons, are described as blue flame. And then she has the shadows deepened around Asriel, his siphons gleaming like cobalt fire. And then in another passage, the siphons atop his scarred hands flickered like rippling blue fire. And then in another one, siphons trailing tendrils of blue flame in his wake. Although controversial, even on this show... This ties into the Bryce and Asriel theory that they are both destined to become the high lady and high lord of the dust court. If this is true, then Bryce and Asriel would likely have beast forms. And similar to Asriel's siphons being likened to the great eye of a beast, a similar thing is said about Bryce in CC2 that, quote, something feral opened an eye in Bryce's soul and snarled. Emily has previously theorized that Bryce's beast form will be a unicorn pegasus. This would explain the Jelly Jubilee connections and even the fact that unicorn pegasuses are hidden in each Crescent City cover. And then she literally has where they are on each cover. In a recent interview, SGM stated that in every single Akatar book going forward, there will be a pegasus, which we have been very excited about considering that the Pegasus that's a hard word. Words are hard. Our original <laughs> considering that the Pegasus is Pegasi Peggy <laughs> considering that Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Gonna get pegged by peg. Oh, God, why do you always have to take things? Raw. <laughs> Raw dog? Oh, you. Okay, sidebar. About raw dog. Yeah. I saw this meme yesterday and it's like I'm all already- these pregnancy announcements at Thanksgiving. Y'all are just confirming that you've been raw dogging right here at the table in front of man. <laughs> so funny. Well, that's. <clears throat> I'll never forget. I mean, I'm was like 18 year old Kelly or whatever, and I sent some laundry home to be washed at like my mom and dad's house or whatever. So I didn't have to sit and, you know, shovel quarters in. Apparently I had a CVS receipt in one of my pants pockets for condoms <laughs> and my dad found it. So like, sorry, Walt. And my mom was like infuriated. I mean, Rhonda called and lost her goddamn mind. And then literally like by age 22, whenever we got married, she was like, so whenever you guys decide to have children, I'm like, you were upset four years ago <laughs> about condoms. And now you're like, you know what? You don't need those now. Like, <laughs> hold on. Sidebarring even farther. When did it become whenever someone announced that they were pregnant that you went, oh, no. Still. To like, uh, still. I mean, still. <laughs> Me and my sister literally talked about this last night. I'm like, like people. I mean, I have a child and I just turned 32 a week ago. And I'm yeah. like. If I got pregnant, I can't imagine a worse thing to happen to me. I can. I'm being a little bit dramatic. No. Like, but I just really don't want that. Yeah. And so whenever someone's like, oh, yeah, I'm having a baby, I'm like, no, I do. do. You need help? I st- like, I'll drive you wherever you need to go. I know we live in a red state, but I will take you wherever you have to go. I just don't. Like, Listen. So like, you know, we're, we don't know if we can or whatever. Which I also love all the people that are like, have you thought about adoption? Have you thought about paying $40,000? <laughs> about minding your own business. Right. Also that. Fuck, go fuck yourself. But it, I still cringe. I'm like, Casey and I have been married. It will be 10 years in May that we have been married. And even sometimes, it's not the thought of, oh my God, I can't have his baby. Like, clearly, it's the thought of just being like, oh my God. That is, I can barely take care of myself. You got my spending habits right now are just atrocious, but I don't know. I just, first off, nothing that anybody tells me about being pregnant makes me want to be pregnant. No, my, my experience was horrifying. No, nothing that everyone's like, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. I'm like, when <laughs> it was kind of cool. Like sometimes, no, but like, I, I know. But like now when I get like a gas bubble in my stomach, I'm like, <gasps> it feels exactly like a baby kicking. And I'm like, <gasps> It scares me every time. Anyways. Um, uh, okay. We got to reel ourselves back in. Okay. In a recent interview, SJM stated that in every single Akatar book moving forward, there will be a Pegasus. Considering that the Pegasuses <laughs> I still, are originally from the prison island, Dust Court, the land waiting for something to return, the Starborn, and that Bryce is the character arguably most connected to the Pegasus, this is a promising sign. And then it has beneath it says, Sarah knows who the next book is about. And it's pretty obvious. She won't say if it's a male or female main character, but there will be a Pegasus in it. I don't know how obvious it is. I mean, it (laughs) like, is it like, I'm not getting it. I mean, is it supposed to be an Elaine book if we're following the Archeron sisters? But then like that, I don't know. Like we've talked about Elaine will be the one to wrap everything up. Don't be silly. Wrap your willy Elaine, like plant some goddamn vegetables. Anyways, moving on. 
Considering the title of CC3, meaning that Shadow likely won't be used in future Akatar book titles, and that the cover was in dusk colors, could the CC3 reveal video be hinting at Bryce and Asriel? Because literally it is the My Little Pony Pegasus right next to Godzilla barfing up blue fire. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then somebody on here... They said something about how they thought it was going to be hilarious if Bryce was a Pegasus. They were like, that would be the most ridiculous thing I have ever seen or heard is if a character like Bryce, if her transformation would be a Pegasus. And I was like, why, why would that be? Yeah, why? I, they've literally been hinted on all three covers. I don't. Hmm. Anyways. <clears throat> so then Emily was like, here's my TikTok theory. It is literally Bryce Quinlan's beast form. And what it reveals about the horn on her back. A theory. The horn. The horn. Do, do, do. In her back and at her forehead. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Unicorn Pegasus. <laughs> Just curling up her body mm-hmm. like like the like the narwhal. Um Okay. Also, this drawing that they have of Bryce on this theory. Oh, God, she's a fucking babe. Okay. To date, a plethora of fear. <laughs> a plethora of theories. To date, a plethora of theories have outlined the substantial evidence for Bryce's eventual role of the Starborn Fae, making her High Lady of the Dust Court. For example, Bryce's scent is of the first stars at nightfall. Nightfall is another name for dusk. Some of these we have definitely talked about. Like, in depth. Bryce is the heir to the Starborn Fae, whom originated from the Dusk Court in Prithian. Bryce owns the Star Sword, the sword of the first and only High King of Prithian. SJM repeatedly links Bryce to Dusk. Um, Bryce gets her nails painted in dusk colors. As per the lore of Akatar world, it is said that the High Lords, or in this case, High Ladies, what? I thought you were going to say, as per the Lord. Oh. As for our Lord and Savior, Sarah J. Mass. (laughs) Okay. As for the lore of the Akatar world, not the Lord. Now we are going to talk about high lords, or in this case, high ladies, have an alternate beast form. If Bryce is destined to rule the Dust Court, then she will have a beast form too. And then it goes on into a passage. I'm I'm not really sure what book it's from. I mean, but it says, I wondered what his beast form was if he grew wings like resand and claws. If Thesson did too, white wings like the watchful peregrines who kept silent, his own fierce-eyed lover not uttering a word to anyone. Perhaps the high lords of the solar courts all possessed wings beneath their skin, a gift from the skies that their courts claimed ownership of. I feel like that's Akawar for the high lords. <clears throat> it sounds very Akawari. Page 411 of Akawar. Verse 2. <laughs> Chapter 8, verse 2. <laughs> I don't know, chapter eight, Jesus, 411. Like the book is like 600 pages long. Okay. Akwar. And so then as Queen Thea was said to once rule the Dust Court or the land that then later became the Dust Court in future years, then logic suggests that Queen Thea also had a beast form. In fact, Emily believes that they we already know what Thea's beast form was, a unicorn pegasus. As proof of this, throughout the years, SGM has repeatedly stated her love for the book, The Last Unicorn, which I got us both beautiful Barnes and Noble's exclusive editions of The Last Unicorn. And then Sarah has a tweet that was like, at Claire Legrand, three unicorns. I am the biggest fan of The Last Unicorn movie book, etc. If you've never seen 
the animation of The Last Unicorn. It has Howl's Moving Castle vibes. It's just a very beautiful animated movie. I actually had it as a recorded VHS from where it played on TV. Like I, so I used to actually watch it. You know, I'd, have to, I'd have to fast forward through the commercials. Yeah. Um, I'd love to see those commercials. Uh, what I wouldn't give if to have just to have that VHS. Like, oh my god. No, I think it's just. I'm sure. Honestly, I'm sure it probably like dry rotted and quit. Like because I watched it all the time. It was like one of those VHSs that it was a compilation of a bunch of different stuff from recorded on TV. But anyways, beautiful and I highly recommend it. The last unicorn follows the story of a unicorn who discovers she is the last of her kind as the other unicorns have been kidnapped and imprisoned, which sounds similar to Bryce and the missing starborn fae that seemingly vanished from the prison island. The unicorn had an alternate human form and she was referred to as Lady Amalthea which looks an awful lot like Thea at the end. Oh, I thought you were going to say Amarantha. Oh, uh, no, not her. No, I think we're going to find out more about her later. But anyways, which sounds eerily similar to Queen Thea. But if the parallels weren't already obvious enough, then take a closer look at Lady Amalthea's brow. And then the one I linked eight this. Eight-pointed star. She has the marking of an eight-pointed star, wow. the same symbol of the starborn fae. The same symbol and the same positioning as the lady on the cover of CC3. In both Crescent City books, it is made clear that Queen Thea and Bryce have the exact same powers, to the extent that some believe Bryce is a reincarnation of Thea. For example, Ada states that Bryce Starlight is the exact same shine and hue as Thea's light. And even Regelius, when disguised as Adis, notes that Bryce's starlight is the same as Thea's and implies that Bryce likely has Thea's other gifts as well. Mollifier bringer's gifts. Mollifier bringer. Mala, 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 mala. Thus, if Thea's beast form, when she ruled the dust court, was a unicorn pegasus, then Bryce's future beast form is almost certainly the same. Would that not just be so beautiful to see a goddamn unicorn pegasus fly in, not into the sunset, but from the fucking sunset? Oh, so beautiful. Anyways. This makes even more sense when you consider Akasif and the reveal that the Pegasus originally came from the prison island, or what is also known as the Dust Court. And then it says, according to legend, the Pegasus had come from the island the prison sat upon. In fact, Bryce's connection to Pegasus, and specifically a unicorn Pegasus, has been foreshadowed since book one. Most obviously, it's Bryce's obsession with the starlight fantasy, oh, excuse me, with the starlight fancy Pegasus toys. Bryce's favorite of these toys is Jelly Jubilee, who, unlike the other Pegasus toys, is both a Pegasus and a unicorn. Beyond that, the cover of every Crescent City book has featured a unicorn Pegasus. Then in SGM's reveal video for CC3, there was a Pegasus toy. In a later interview, SGM stated that this Pegasus toy served as the inspiration behind Jelly Jubilee, where SGM also mentioned that she keeps such items on her desk to remind her of the book she's currently writing. And if the importance of the Pegasus, or in Bryce's case, a unicorn Pegasus, wasn't made clear enough, then in this live video that is below, SJM declared that in each book going forward, Pegasus will always be featured. But this is where it gets even more interesting. Referring again to the last unicorn, Lady Amathia had the mark of the eight-pointed star on her brow because this is where her unicorn horn used to be. It's going to shoot out of Bryce's chest. 
Ketcha! Okay. In fact, when Lady Amalthea was in her unicorn form, it was through her unicorn horn that her power was channeled, which manifests as a bright light. Is it getting you? No, I was thinking about the unicorn doll from the office. My horn can pierce the sky. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fuck off. Okay. What the, was it called? Yeah. Princess Unicorn. That was it? That, that, <laughs> I thought it had a different name. I thought that. it did too. I don't know. Dwight probably called it something ridiculous. Okay. So then in the crescent. Horn can pierce the sky. <laughs> that's what Bryce. You know what? That's probably the theme song Michael for. Michael fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. So in the Crescent City books, we are told that only the starborn can use the horn. My horn can pierce the sky. In fact, the horn only works when starlight flows through it. What if the horn is actually a unicorn horn? Huh? More specifically. H-worn bone. (laughs) H-worn bone. (laughs) Sorry, Emily. More specifically, what if the horn is actually Thea's unicorn horn from her beast form? Ugh, that was like they cut it off of her head. <laughs> that was <laughs> round it up, tattooed it into Bryce's back. That Jesus. was actually. Is that how she has Thea's light? Listen, this totally goes against me thinking it was a French horn from the very. <laughs> <laughs> you were really wrong. Jesus, nobody, literally, no one bought that. No, I didn't think it was a French, although it did make me laugh. I always just pictured a French horn, but I always just thought it was like one of those whenever they're like, I imagine like, yeah. Okay. We are. How have I never done that before? Because at first I didn't know it was you or one of the dogs. Yeah. Uh, we are told that the horn was created and then wielded by Peleus. But what if that's a lie spun by the Asteri? Because all they do is fucking lie. That's all those mofos do. Peleus betrayed her, didn't he? So did he cut off her horn? <gasps> okay. <laughs> Instead, what? <laughs> Get shot. My horn can pierce the sky. No more. <laughs> okay. Uh, instead, what if Peleus killed Thea for her unicorn horn, knowing full well the powers it granted her? Man, that is very like Harry Potter. Okay. It would explain why after the horn was repaired in Bryce's back, which you would know nothing of, by the way. Nope, nothing. She was then marked with the same eight-pointed star. A star that glows with Thea's exact light and is said to be a beacon to Prithian, to the dust court. And that's the story. That is shocking. <laughs> the microphone, not the story. I swear, every time I touch it to my face, Stop it's doing it. Then stop touching your face to it. You know, it's... <laughs> not doing it on purpose. That was my beast form. <laughs> This is moments that we need a camera. <laughs> also, be so just so much more famous if we had them. Also, to show everyone how yeah, you we have so many haters, <laughs> they would be like, "Oh my god, look at these homely bitches!" Like millennials, look, so cringe. Look, look, Kelly. <laughs> Why did we do the same thing at the same time? I hate you. We got way too many high shoes. <laughs> high shoes. Will you sponsor us? <laughs> 
You know what? Hey, Travis manifest and Jason it. Kelsey, they were talking about dipping dots on their podcast. I don't know what I thought you were going to say, but it was not about dipping dots. They're I thought paid. we were dipping our dick into something. No. <laughs> Jesus. No. And they sent them a freezer for the Eagles locker room full of dipping dots. Like a, a okay. dipping dot well, fridge. Well, I'm sorry. First off, Travis Kelsey gets to fuck Taylor Swift, and I'm already upset that so he gets I, to fuck her. Okay. Speaking of that. Uh, I speaking to, of Taylor Swift getting fucked by Travis Kelsey. Of them fucking no. <laughs> in his new Kansas City mansion. Like this is uh, this he is, is a red room. Grandpa at at um, Thanksgiving yesterday. Uh, oh, Football player got, this, got that singer prank. Oh yeah. What, could you imagine? I can't imagine be like the second coming of Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. It was the whole way around the world. Yeah. My God, the people would go wild. I totally agree. I can't imagine. It's like the second coming of Christ. (laughs) It would be like the second coming of Christ. (laughs) (laughs) He says, the way the whole world is around it, my God, the people would go wild. The people would go wild. I'll send you the link. Send me the link, because that, I mean, but for real, though, like, where do these keep coming from? Why are these just everywhere? I don't know. Hi, Choosh. Bless you. (laughs) Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Every time you say hi, Choo, I think at you. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Okay. So, anyways, so, that's our show. Thanks for listening. (laughs) This was the worst episode of all time. Well, wow. You did a great job. I fucking hate you. <laughs> what are you bringing to the table besides nothing? Apollyon uses Peleus's blood to create the Gustavus. They <laughs> talked about that last part. week. <laughs> I literally talked about polygamous relationships with Bryce, As, and Hunt. Yeah, I feel like you didn't really give me enough information. Well, I don't know me. what you really want. I mean, she literally did. <laughs> I don't have any ground to stand on with it. Like that's what I want. This girl was just like, tell me what you think four days ago. Well, today I think that would be cool as fuck. And that we'd have Katie Robert vibes. Someone replied, Mel's kitten put, but put Bryce in that sad boy sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) What was the username? (laughs) Mel's underscore kitten. (laughs) That's good. I mean, somebody said, I'm sorry. I absolutely lost it at Sad Boy Sandwich. That's really funny. Oh, someone put eight inch big. Ooh, that good pipe times two. (laughs) Did a Gen Z write that? Like what? Someone else said, can I get in too? Then someone said was going to upvote, but didn't want to disturb the 69. Oh, somebody has some artwork depicting... The three of them? Somebody's eating a snack and somebody's... <laughs> I don't want to know your name. I just want to bang, bang, bang. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that video. That is so funny. I don't. I think about it a lot. <laughs> you do? Yes. I don't want to know your name. I just want bang, bang, bang. <laughs> like stick figures? Why were we watching that? I used to watch it <laughs> every, every goddamn week. It shocks you. Oh, man. Hang on. I'm too wired in. There's an uncensored version of that somewhere. Oh, absolutely there is. But Reddit, they were like, we need the the censored version. Is it Jody Creates? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Bryce or Hunt on on the back and 
<laughs> Asriel on the front. So anyways, so Asriel is Godzilla. I bet he's got a dick as big as Wisconsin. <laughs> Did you say as Wisconsin? <laughs> Hello, Wisconsin! As a physical book lover, we've all found ourselves in major need of a bookmark when we've been rudely interrupted while reading. Interruptions like your job, your needy pets and family, or your spouse wanting to tell you all about a random thing that they've been doing, all while you're at a really good part. Don't they see that we're reading? And in those moments, we've all found ourselves having to grab for a receipt, a post-it note, a scrap of paper, or the absolute worst, dog-earing your page. Well, in those moments, Case Leatherworks has you covered. Their dog ear bookmark fits perfectly over the corner of your page, so you never lose your place. Their products are made with top grain American leather in a variety of colors, and you have the option to customize your bookmark with your initials. Along with their bookmarks, they offer a variety of home good products that's perfect for any reading nook. Support small business by visiting caseleatherworks.com, and our listeners will receive 10% off your first order by using code THEORIES at checkout. That's offer code theories at caseleatherworks.com. Oh, somebody put on here whenever I've, this is, oh, it's Emiego. When she put, whenever I've posted Bryce at times Azrael theories, many people will comment, oh, but I love Hunt or, but I love Quinlar. But that's the point. When we read the first Akatar book, we loved Tamlin. If we didn't love Tamlin, then his treatment of Pharaoh wouldn't be as heartbreaking as it was. The same applies for Kale in Throne of Glass. The same can also be said for the characters that have died. For example, Lahaba, R.I.P., or Throne of Glass spoilers. Okay, I just love how it's Throne of Glass spoilers, Gavriel and the 13. Their deaths hurt because we love them and because we wanted them to stick around and they're and live there happily ever after. If by chance Bryce and Hunt aren't in game and Hunt is killed or revealed to be an Asteri weapon, that is going to hurt. Facts on facts on facts. And that's the point of fictional storytelling. That's how you make an impact. (laughs) SJM writes happy endings, yes, but not for every single character. And when we're talking about a multiversal war, it won't be realistic. It won't have that impact unless there are casualties. If it's not Hunt, then it's going to be someone else. Juniper, she can go. (laughs) (laughs) We're not attached. If, if foreshadowing is any indicator, neither will her head be. Literally, the, like the first page or two of House Earth of Blood, it says there's like a decapitated fawn in her office. Jessica's office. Maybe Jessica's the one that knocks her head off. I just no. I I'm looking at you because of your fucking microphone. I know. I was trying to. I it know. Anyone noticing? Not you. Not Hermione. Or <laughs> not me. Not Hermione. You. <laughs> what was I saying? <laughs> Stop looking at fairy porn. Uh, <laughs> no, keep looking at fairy porn. <laughs> I truly think that anything is on the table and Quinlar are far from safe. As of that famous Crescent City 2 ending, the story has taken a completely different route despite being foreshadowed since book one. Hang on before you show me any more dick pics. (laughs) Expect the unexpected because that's how SGM made a name for herself in the first place. Also, usual disclaimer that I respect Quinlar and won't be mad if they're in game. I just want a good story. And so far, Multiversal Mates promises the most captivating story to me. Very outlander, right? I've never seen it, but. Oh, this was posted by Specialist Visit 985. And then Emmy commented. 
she won't do that. The fans will go ballistic. The ship is too popular for SJM to break them up. For an author as big as SJM, fanships don't matter the way y'all think they do. Honestly, I feel like any author shouldn't matter. Do do you? Do what you think. Right, 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 right. I just, listen, I'm 110% rooting for Azris, so I've made that very clear. I want sword crossing. (laughs) That is what I want. I don't give a fuck if we've got harems. I don't, I mean, we like a good dark romance. We like a good why choose. Why choose? Why choose? choose. All four bags. Why You know. (laughs) That's what we do. Get all four bags at your local retailers. Hi, choose. Bless you. (laughs) Cut that out until we get paid. (laughs) Okay. Oh, three months ago by none other than Emiego, the one character who I absolutely am sure is dying in CC3. Hunt. At the start of CC1, we get some most overt foreshadowing I've ever seen. Danica glanced to one of the visible cameras oh, and then mounted behind a decapitated statue of a dancing hey. fawn dating back 10,000 years. So we're not quite at 15,000, but her bush. Oh, wait. <laughs> See, me and Emmy are on the same her, page. Her bush. E-tail. <laughs> swished ones. What if it was just her bush swished, swished ones? Why does she even want it? Anyway, I'm going to go ahead right now and give my condolences in advance. R.I.P. Juniper. I believe it. Well, first off. And then Fury's going to go to the meat market and kill the Viper Queen. The Viper Queen killed Juniper's brother and she says that she'll like. Oh, yeah, yeah. She says she'll destroy that place or something at some point. What is this? Six months ago. The dream world theory. Are we sure Midgard is a real place? It's unhinged theory time. Buckle up, Buttercup. When reading the Crescent City books, did anyone else get the sense that there was something off about Midgard? For example, despite Lunathian being a modern city, both Avalon Island and the internal city where the Asteri live are not, which is super weird. This is literally how the eternal city is described. Despite Lunathian being a modern city, both Avalon Island and the eternal city where the Asteri live are not which is super weird. This is literally how the eternal city is described. Bryce had no idea why anyone would want to live in the, beep, 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 live in the eternal city, not simply because it lay in the shadow of the crystal palace of the Asteri, but because it was old. <laughs> Dusty. Shut up. Dusty. Worn. Bryce calls it dusty? Yes! Seems like such an insult. You're so dusty. (laughs) You're a dusty bitch. (laughs) Okay. No skyscrapers, no neon lights, no music blasting from passing cars. It seemed to have been trapped in time, stuck in another century. Its masters unwilling to bring it forward. All of the big bad guys are almost never seen in person. We see Regalius once or twice, but the rest of the Asteria are always shown through holograms. Even Jezeba, we also only see her once or twice, and the rest of her communication was through the phone. We didn't see her at all in CC2. Emmy says, as I was wondering this and rereading parts of CC2, 
A certain quote immediately stuck out to me. Does anyone else feel like they're about to wake up from a bad dream? Ethan's question echoed into the fraught silence of the apartment. Ethan felt as if he was about to wake up from a bad dream. And then it hit Emily. Do you know just how many times dream slash sleeping is mentioned as something more in these books? She says many. Let me show you. Bryce wants questions whether she has dreamed hunt up a mere figure of speech or foreshadowing of something more as if he had never existed as if she had dreamed him up. Curiously, Lydia tells Rune a story about a princess who was eternally asleep waiting for a night to wake her up. Pretty random, right? Also they meet in a dreamscape. I added that in like Rune and Lydia. He stood crossing the distance to her, a princess of fire. Oh, princess of fire hey oh sleeping waiting for a night to awaken her he knew that story and on the topic of rune and lydia oh it's interesting that they both communicated with each other when they were asleep a literal dream world on a dream bridge the mystics also explore new worlds through sleep and dreaming however try to pry the mystics back to midgard and they will scream to be sent back Curiously, they really don't want to be in Midgard. The astronomer knelt by the female, reaching for the tubes that Ethan had ripped free. They cannot exist in this world anymore. Do not want to exist in this world. He glared at her, cold fire in his pale gray eyes. When we see Apollyon communicate with both Bryce and Hunt in their sleep, he takes Bryce to a dream world where he seemingly manipulated the surroundings to look exactly like Parthos. He angled his head more animal than humanoid, dream world, or what you consider to be dreams. Additionally, Bryce's true power is often described as being asleep or slumbering. And with that light in her veins, with the star that slumbered inside her heart, a slumbering little kernel of creation. Similarly, when Bryce enters the Asterius Palace, it's said that something inside her opened an eye as if waking up and then snarled. Something feral opened an eye in Bryce's soul. And snarled. But this leads to the most important point of all. When Bryce and Hunt are intimate in CC2. <laughs> Anyways. Bryce says that she wants to stay in this body and in this place. What the fuck? <laughs> Inputs WTF. But I just, I just said it all. She could have sworn that they fell through time and space. Could have sworn they tumbled towards something, but she wanted to stay here with him in this body and this place. Does this not imply that Bryce has another body somewhere else in a different place? Time is nothing but a construct. We don't know how time lines up. Maybe she's been in Prithian this whole time. Wild. Okay. And then the absolute cherry on top, when the CC3 title was revealed, SJM was purposefully playing a song in the background of the video. The song is These Dreams by Heart. Mm. A song that is literally about living in a dream world, living another life as you sleep. Nothing is real. Everything is made up. And Bryce has been dreaming this entire time and Hunt's not real. Anyways, maybe she's a mystic. She doesn't know it. The next part contains TOG spoilers. <clears throat> this whole podcast does. When thinking about what all of this could mean, Emmy instantly thought of Maeve, who used her power to trick Aelin into believing she was living in an entirely new world. All while asleep, all while Aelin was asleep, Maeve, who was 
who has very similar powers to the Asteri. I was just about to say, her being like a world walker, she's not like... So what if the Asteri are in fact doing the exact same thing? Spinning an illusion of a real world. Yet the main characters and many others are actually slumbering somewhere else. So what if the Asteri are doing in fact the same thing as Maeve? Spinning an illusion of a real world. And think about it from the Asteri's POV. Doesn't this make complete sense? You need a siphon to you need to siphon magic from powerful beings. If they're asleep and never aware of this fact, you have an unlimited power supply. After all, the slogan for Crescent City is the place where dreams come true. It is. Did we read the same books as Emily? No. <laughs> or or Madeline. Understand. Then when it comes to explaining how this theory is possible, I can't help but think of the statue theory. We know that likely the Starborn Fae were trapped in stone, as seen by Nesta in Akasif. Then in Crescent City, Bryce gets the feeling that some of the statues are sentient, which we have discussed. We then have Hunt, Lydia, Pollux, and many other characters who are repeatedly compared to statues. Even the covers of the Crescent City books are statues. So what if the Crescent City characters we know and love are actually the Fae trapped in stone? Slumbering and being manipulated by the Asteri in a dream world. And let's not forget Elaine, whose story will likely follow CC3, and who has also been stuck having constant dreams, as seen in Akawar, which she described as a murky realm. And then perhaps it's no coincidence that in SJM's Pinterest board for Elaine, we have an image where eyes closed sleeping, but is seeing the galaxies. After all, Aelin said it best. This world will be saved and remade. Shut up. By, by the dreamers. dreamers. Oh God. I'm having heart palpitations. And that's why the Asteri had to get rid of Danica because Danica was figuring out that they were all fucking asleep. Pretty shitty that you could be asleep that long. But then they still go to, they still sleep in their sleep. That's so weird. Well, you know, it's very dystopian sci-fi. So then I clicked on her statue theory because I know we have talked about the statues a lot, but I just would like to wrap up with are the statues in CC2 alive? Like just to reiterate and to also like piggyback off of the dream world theory. And so Emily, it's of course it's Emmys, but this is unhinged, but hear me out. Many people in the fandom agree that the Starborn Fae came from the Dust Court in Prithian. However, the Dust Court and its inhabitants mysteriously vanished. And instead, all that remains is the prison. Okay? We have said this. We have talked about the stone. We have talked about hearing voices in the prison. But I just wanted to go ahead because I can't remember what episode it is, but for us to just basically yeah. full circle it. When Nesta visits the prison and finds the harp sitting on top of an eight-pointed star. She literally walks into that room like through the wall, like there's no door there. Right. She has a vision of the people who used to live there, presumably the old starborn Fae, and then becoming trapped within stone. And then it's quoted, Fae screamed, pounding on stone that hadn't been there a moment before. After the vision, Nesta comes to a realization about the harp and says this, I think they used it to trap their enemies and their enemies' children into the stone itself. We even see the harp try to do that to Nesta as well. The harp had been pushing her into the rock, fusing her soul with it. Now fast forward 
to Sky and Breath in the very first chapter, and Bryce is looking at all the statues in the ballet hall lobby made of stone. We have one of the fey male with a hammer, sounds like Thur, a fey male riding a Pegasus. Is that Bryce or Hunt riding Bryce? (laughs) Just like in Tony Viento's uh, (laughs) Patreon. Jesus. (laughs) And we know the Pegasus came from the dust court and lots of different gods, etc. Amarin's probably there too. But it was this part that stood out. Bryce had the creeping sensation that the various ancient statues of the gods flanking the long lobby watched her. Are some of these statues and the many more throughout Midgard, the old starborn Fae, or even the Asteri's other victims across the universe? <gasps> what if Rowan and Aelin are there? Okay. Are they still alive, immortalized, and trapped within the stone? And if they can be freed, can they save Midgard? And then she has also to add, and getting more unhinged, Elameo, but there's something about Lydia that ties into this. SJM likens Lydia to a statue so many times, more specifically, a statue of Luna. For example, quote, such a dead, hateful face, like she was a statue, flawless and carved, brought to life. Then one of the first things Rune notices about Lydia is that her voice sounds really old, which like rude. So much so. so so (laughs) You so old and dusty, bitch. So much so that he wonders if she's in a steery. Quote, she had to be old then, one of the veneer who'd lived for so long that modern lingo was like a foreign language. In fact, all of Sandriel's triari are likened to statues. For example, Bryce goes on and on about Hunt looks identical to the mini replica statue of Thur. She goes, and I mean, look at the house and sky breath cover. Is that not Hunt as a statue? You can even see the crumbling stone. She says, oh, and who has been making it their life's mission to collect statues? Jezebel. Jezebel. <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. You're so dusty, Jezebel. Red roses too. <laughs> I see you. In that statue. I was going to say, we got that real too many. Oh, no, you're right, you're right, 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 right. No, 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 I, no I, I flipped it. I flipped it on its head. I flipped it on its head. <laughs> Where did you come from? Where did you come Where did you come from? No. Oh, gosh, Lee. Someone says, I'm rereading TOG, and there's a strong parallel in Empire of Storms. If you've read it, I can elaborate. I just don't want to accidentally spoil anything. It came out a decade ago. So Emmy says, is it when Elide senses the people trapped in the stone marshes? Because I was just thinking about that and how it connects. I have got to reread Throne of Glass. I know, me too. And I got to mow the grass for the throne. Why is that so hard for me to say? Why am I like this? Supposed like super fan. I love I love Throne of Grass. Like (laughs) I might as well just embrace it. Oh my god, somebody said the Asteri have been absolute masters at selective breeding. Best way to do that is to freeze all of the traits you want for later use. DNA gets preserved indefinitely. Then they can just crack open that stone. Basically, it's like Jurassic Park where it's a mosquito inside of the amber and then they pull out the DNA and then they're like, pew, 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 
shooting those shooters and sperm. And then like, what? Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, also, if you want to go back to when, so Sips T7 said, also, if you want to go back to when Reese and Farah first visit the Bone Carter in Akamath, she notes that the jagged rock of the prison looks like facial features or limbs of people. Uh-uh. I think there are definitely people trapped in stone there and in Midgard. I, Carver also says he carved all the doors in the prison, which is weird. Well, I mean, if he... That, that was something that Madeline because, well, wrote in on. He had him... He basically put himself in that prison. So, like, why not give yourself something to do? You know? Also, maybe he wasn't looking like Nyx. Maybe he was looking like Rune. <gasps> oh, yeah. No wings. He had no wings. Hey. 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 <laughs> Who's good at her job? Who's Not- that girl? Who's that girl? It's Jess. Anyways, that's our show. Thanks for coming. Are we done? Are you done? Are you gonna? You got anything? I mean, it is weird that Nesta was able to walk through the stone. So She's like, dead. Why? Uh, well. Sorry. She's a mystic. She's a witch. Lady Death. She's a whist- witch. They keep saying that she's like a death god. So is she like she's on the a, same level as the Asteri? Like, she's a witch, witch stick. Instead of a mystic, she's a witch stick. Again, she's something. And I'm going to tell you what. I, I wanted to start. One of the things I wanted to talk about more this episode is the witch theories for Nesta and the Archerns. But like, I'm here to tell you there, there's just not a lot of stuff that people have put together. Cause like we've talked about how we feel about it, but like to have other people also have something comprehensive where we Speaking don't sound of insane. Throne of glass. What's the other phrase from there? What the Asteria are all named after what? They're all named after stars. Okay. Then what's the... To whatever end. No, the other one. You could rattle the stars if you only dared. I just had that thought. And then Feyre's like, to the stars who listen. (gasps) And what's the second part of that? To the stars who listen and the dreams that are answered. Yeah. Well, God damn it. That's our show. We're done. (laughs) Like, we're all dead. We're all in Snide of Stone. And... But didn't you read that off of Emily talking about wormholes or no? Yeah, I mean, she's talked about different wormholes and she was talking about string theory. Meryl talking about time being stacked on top of each other. The great SJM debate. How does the multiverse actually work? She has a full theory about it. So I know that people are like annoyed that, like, you know, Silver Flames is more about Nesta and stuff. And they're like, I miss Feyre. I miss Reese. I get that. Also... Reese is back, so everybody calm the fuck down. I was going to say, after reading Silver Flame, I was like, Feyre Reese who? Because (laughs) Cast cast daddy. But also, I feel like that was probably really intentional because Gwen saying, I don't know why this just is so ingrained in my brain, but Gwen says that Meryl is doing, when she talks about the research that Mm -hmm. she's doing, she says it's the pressing nature of her work. Yes. Pressing nature. Yes, like I'm pretty. Like I'm she knows what's coming. That, I'm almost positive that's word for word. I'm, I need to look it up and verify. No, we've talked about it, and I'm pretty sure it is the like. It, she's basically insinuating that there's not a lot of time. They have to hurry up and get this done. And I think they were even talking about that. Bryce showing up is not that long from Akasif. 
it's a, it's like within not even a year. I don't think, I think somebody was saying if they looked at the timeline, it was like a six to nine month from Akasif, which like if Meryl's trying to press, you know, that could be like a year because, okay. So Emmy goes on while you're looking that up in her most recent interview, SGM insinuated that her books, so this was nine months ago. So not necessarily her most recent interview because we did have that Christina Lauren, but we didn't get, we didn't get a lot out of that to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Not in terms of this. I mean, we got that, you know, we're getting Akatar five and you know, we got all that, but anyways. So in an interview, SGN insinuated that her books, a multiverse exists, but the worlds are planets and light years away. However, Emily believes that she may be omitting the truth, especially because we consistently across all these books talk about fucking 15,000 years and shit. In fact, if the three SGM worlds are just on separate planets in space, we run into an issue. Recall that at the end of Kingdom of Ash, Aelin walked through the word gate and fell through various worlds. This would be impossible if all the worlds were planets, as they would be light years away from each other. Aelin falling wouldn't end very well from her. And then she literally has a stick figure of Aelin falling off of a planet, and it says R.I.P. So, (laughs) instead for Aelin to fall through the world successfully, they would need to be stacked on top of each other. This isn't a crazy idea, as this is exactly what Meryl suggested in Akasif. That different realms, different worlds are living on top of each other without even knowing it. Gwen frowned. Lots of things. Meryl's brilliant. Horrible, but brilliant. When she first came here, she was obsessed with theories regarding the existence of different realms, different worlds living on top of each other without even knowing it. However, Meryl made it clear that despite these worlds overlapping and sharing the exact same space, they are separated by time. Again, 15,000 years. Or Amy doesn't say that. Whether this is merely one existence our existence, or if it might be possible for worlds to overlap occurring in the same space, but separated by time and a whole bunch of other things. There are many ways to interpret Meryl's hypothesis, but the most obvious is that throne of glass, Akatar and Crescent city worlds universes occupy the same physical space, but are occurring in different time periods. Hence we've talked about and has been TOG is the past. Akatar is the present. Crescent City is the future. So when Aelin fell through the worlds, it is almost as if she took an elevator through time. Each level is a new time period. Therefore, when Aelin flew past Prithian, it doesn't necessarily suggest that Throne of Glass and Akatar must be occurring simultaneously. If anything, it suggests the opposite. Instead, Aelin was glimpsing a world that exists in the future, a different time period. However, Meryl and the Akatar philosophers were researching the existence of 11 different worlds, or even as many as 26, with the last being time itself. Nestus Brows Rose, really? Some philosophers believe that there are 11 worlds like that. And some believe there are as many as 26, the last one being time itself, which Gwen's voice dropped to a whisper. Honestly, I looked at some of her early research and my eyes bled just reading her theorizing and formulas. Meryl is talking about string theory. A real life theoretical, a real life theoretical framework that physicists have been studying for decades. There's a lot of words that I don't say on a regular basis. We see that further represented with the harp in Akasif, which has 26 strings for the 26 dimensions worlds as proposed by string theory. Strings on a harp. String theory. SJM is very clever and poetic. String theory is one of the many ways to scientifically conceptualize the multiverse. One possibility is that our universe exists on a membrane. There are then other membranes above below us, which different universes in different dimensions, which can be as close as a millimeter away from us. As described by Dr. Brian Green, our universe is one slice of bread in a big cosmic loaf. That's hilarious. 
String theory envisions a multiverse in which our universe is one slice of bread in a big cosmic loaf. The other slices would be displaced from ours in some extra dimension of space. And then she has a very basic diagram of this concept. And you can just imagine that it's basically like quarters stacked on top of each other. Which evidently is the same as Meryl's own theory, which is Throne of Glass, Akatar, and Crescent City stacked on top of each other. Further, both Meryl and Dr. Brian Greene agree that different worlds' universes can occupy the same physical space. In fact, we see proof of this in many of SJM's books. When the veil between the realms is thinnest, characters from different worlds are able to physically touch each other. This suggests that they are, in some capacity, existing in the same space. And as a side note, it is mentioned that the harp can change the order of time and worlds. This opens up several possibilities for future books, including time travel, and would make things very interesting indeed. Thus, to Emily, it is clear that Akatar, Throne of Glass, and Crescent City Worlds are completely interwoven, perhaps more than we know, which Sarah has come from nine months ago to now to tell us that, yes, you have to read Akatar for Crescent City they're fully interconnected. And although both CC and Akatar can still be read as standalone theory stories, no, they cannot. I predict that CC3 and Akatar 5 will be the persecutors for SGM's ultimate goal, a full crossover multiverse series, which we know for a fact is going to happen. So that's very exciting to read something from nine months ago to be like, well, guess what? We know for a fact. But I, I am really interested to see how the worlds are going to lay on top of each other. I don't think, especially not in Crescent City, maybe in future Akatars we will, but I don't think we're going to see Aelin and Rowan like coming in a physical sense. Obviously, they're going to be talked about. What are you dancing? I have to say. So looking at this stuff about Meryl, whatever, trying to, I didn't find it yet. But anyways, we talked last episode a lot about Coast Jay. Yes. So I'm reading this line. This is where Meryl confronts Nesta about switching her book or whatever. And Nesta's like, you need something better to do with your time. And Nesta says, I think you like to hear yourself talk too much. Meryl says, I am descended from Rabbath, Lord of the Western Wind, Meryl seethed. Unlike Gwyneth Berdara, I am no lackey to be dismissed. I thought, who the hell is Rabbath, Lord of the Western Wind? And then I thought, that's weird, because doesn't the bone carver talk about the wind tells him things? Yeah. Like, whatever. Yeah. Weird. So I googled Rabbath, Lord of the Western Wind, and one of the first things that came up is a Tumblr theory by High Lady Elaine, and it says, Akasef theory time. Meryl is being possessed slash manipulated by Koshjay. Or is maybe in alliance with him. In my reread, these two passages stood out so much. In chapter 7, where Vasa is talking about how Koshe manipulated the queens into betraying and selling her to him through whispers on the winds. It says, The story is too long to tell, she hedged, but know that Briallen and the others sold me to him not through their own devices, but his, by words he planted in their courts, whispered on the winds. Which we were talking about last week, about how Koshe needs Nesta. Yes. He needs Nesta to free himself. So like Mm -hmm. he's done all kinds of stuff to like manipulate and keep her safe. So we're talking about that. And then it says this is notable because in chapter 29, Meryl mentions that the wind whispers to her and that she knows exactly who Nesta is and what she has done. The wind whispers to me even here under so much stone, Meryl said. It finds its way in through the cracks and murmurs the goings on of the world in my ear. Do you think you are entitled to do as you please now? 
We also learn that she's descended from Rabbith, Lord of the Western Winds, and that she holds some magical sway over wind. Interesting considering that is the same method which Koshche uses to manipulate the queens. Wind snapping at her heels, Meryl stalked into the gloom. Nesta dropped the thread of her power, quelling its mu- music and roaring with an iron hand. But it wasn't until Meryl's brisk wind faded, and it's just underlined that it says she has wind, essentially. Yeah. Some other interesting factors. We can establish that Meryl will be of at least some importance in the next few books solely based on how much time SJM spends discussing her beauty. It's a well-established and well-founded fan theory that whenever SJM describes a character as beautiful, they will be significant. And Meryl's beauty is said to be to rival even Moore's, which is weird. I imagine her old and like decrepit. Yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> decrepit. God damn it. No. Dusty. Yeah. <laughs> dusty. She's a dusty bitch. Yeah, I guess I did too. Like maybe not quite as like cronish, but like definitely that sixty late sixties. Yeah, you're being older. Yeah, and so for her to also with a name like Meryl. Yeah, I yeah. And like, here's another like line. It says Meryl laughed. That phantom wind around her whispering, "Do you not know who I am, girl?" The phantom wind around her whispering, "Do you not know who I am, girl?" That's weird. That's so weird. Well, and also like the way that she speaks. She calls her girl. Which is also very Amarin. I was going to say, the only other person to call her that is Amarin, who says that to everyone. Boy, girl. Amarin is estimated to be 15,000 years old. This similarly suggests to me that there is either more to Meryl than meets the eye, and that she is older than we are led to believe, or that Koshe is talking through Meryl as an ancient and powerful death god. This belittling attitude would be more believable coming from him than coming from what we to believe is a high fae. Well, yeah, not only a high fae, but also a priestess who lives in somewhere that is so is supposed to be a safe space as a refuge for other priestesses who are brought in because they've either been like abused or were like pretty much on like the line of death. Again, Koshe chooses whatever form he wants. And you think about like it could possibly also be affecting like as is like shadows. And if Eris has some sort of like power, it could be trying to speak to Eris because of the way that they like hear things talking or they're keeping informed. I think Koshe is going to have a huge, obviously a huge pull. Well, Nesta talks to Gwen about the dead, dead trove. Jesus. You're welcome. Dread trove. Dread trove. And Gwen asks Meryl about it. So Meryl, she's it says Meryl's more than meets the eye, hoping that she's just being manipulated by Koshe because I would love for her to be the main scribe and historian for this new legion of Valkyrie warriors. Edit. Just reread. As far as I'm concerned, this is set in stone. This is a passage in War and Ruin where Elaine is discussing Koshe and how he has others whom he keeps at the lake whose feathers are as white as snow. This is from the book. There is a lake deep in, in the continent, I think, hidden amongst mountains and ancient forests. Elaine's throat bobbed. He keeps them all at the lake. Other women like her? Yes and no. Their feathers are white as snow. They glide across the water while she rages through the skies above it. Which is, now that you're just reading that out loud. Back I know, to Silver Flames, Meryl's hair is described as white as fresh snow. Which like, them being described as white as snow gliding across the lake. You know, we talked about that <laughs> like Vasa. The Oprah gif. That Vasa's story is a Swan Lake retelling. Yeah. So for them to be described as that, yeah, who's to say that, and maybe Meryl, you know, if Vass is able to come over across the continent and her being a fucking phoenix or whatever it is that she 
it Thunderbird, Firebird, Dragon, like whatever it is that she's supposed to be. This person on Tumblr, a court of midnight snacks commented, okay, this theory is perfection. I also thought it was odd that Meryl was so willing to let Gwen write her chapter about the Valkyries when she treats her so terribly. But if she's being controlled by or in league with Koshche, then it would make sense that Meryl was using Gwen's writing to gather info. Oh, shit. Sneaky bitch. Yeah, because how easy it is to praise, you know, one of the priestesses who is literally was on the front lines with the one person that Koshche wants to have his claws into this princess of merchants reads says the name connection to bird characters that turn up in folklore alongside Koshche is really compelling here. Interesting. Well, so to like how we're connecting like that Crescent seat. So I hate this person's Reddit name, Joe mama, 1414 <laughs> put Baba yellow leg said the exact same thing in throne of glass just about like the worlds laying on top of each other and like thin veils. And it says the word governs the forms, the foundation of this world, not just Aurelia, but all life. There are worlds that exist beyond your knowledge, worlds that lie on top of each other and don't know it right now. You could be standing on the bottom of someone else's ocean. They put, I'm agreeing with you about SJM downplaying the multiverse in interviews, which now that we know that is her actual full intent um, someone, and then this person says, I personally think she's seen the fan theories. She knows we're getting too close to figuring it out and we'll spoil all her big plot twists. So she's trying to move people away from such ideas because like, I do believe that she definitely, well, you know, we talked about her deflecting because she was like, yeah, Tamlin. Yay. When like, she knew in Akamif that Reese was clearly the end game, you know? And so I do think she, she tried so hard to keep everybody away from it. So that I think that's like in the Christina Lauren thing where it was like before CC three came out, she's well, yeah, I mean, you do have to, you could tell she didn't really want to give us that, but she was between a rock and a hard place about it. Bloomsbury has posted about it. So yeah, but it's like, she, she just didn't really want to give us out of the mouth of the babe. Basically Mm -hmm. it, I do think that we're going to see, a lot more about Meryl. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Meryl doesn't show up in CC three. Like I know, like obviously her character is in that world, but for her to like almost be like a frontline character in a way. Okay. So this is without knowing that without SJM's confirmation of that it is a full crossover and that you do need to read Akatar and Crescent City for them to make sense. She said, I understand. Let's see. Oh, I originally created the photos with to post to SJM TikTok theory account because I was often receiving pushback on my multiverse theories with some people arguing that Akatar, Crescent City and Throne of Throne of Glass are distinct and separate planets. And while this could still be true, I personally don't think it is, which now because this was from nine months ago. So now we know. That that's not true. So all of you people that were being dicks to Emmy, fuck off. You were wrong. Said it. 
I understand that SJM recently did an interview and seemed to push this exact idea, but it actually goes against the canon information she has put in her own books, which is what I've outlined in these picture slides. This is why I believe that SJM is perhaps omitting the truth and leading readers astray in these interviews so as to avoid spoiling her upcoming books, which she's known to do. In 2020, she was saying she'd never consider a multiverse crossover, and now she's saying she has been planning the crossover for years. Again, back to the Tamlin and Farrah thing. Like, she's throwing out red herrings because she doesn't want us to figure it out. Um, a lot of this comes from people's desires to keep Akatar and Crescent City separate, but it's argued that they were never separate to begin with. For example, the Starborn Fae originated, Perth- originated from Prithian. The Asteri also originated from Prithian. And as of CC2 have stated that their true goal is to go back to Prithian. The princes of hell likely connected to Prithian, given that the wings of the Illyrians and hell's demons are the same. Jezebel and the Autumn King. Bryce notes that the style of the river house is the same as Jezebel's gallery and the Autumn King's study. So also likely connected to Prithian. Then Ruin and Reese look identical. There's the dust court. And most importantly, there's a literal prophecy that tells us that when the knife and swords are reunited as they are now, then Akatar and Crescent City Fae will merge and unite. The other argument that Emily hears is that SJM is only contracted for one more Crescent City book, which will be the big finale book. Then CC4 will be a novella. Again, Emily doubts that. It has taken Bryce and her friends two whole books to come close to just one Asteri. And when they do, Bryce has to universe jump to escape. And Rune and Hunt are facing the possibility of slavery or death. Then compare to TOG, where it took Aelin and her friends who I'd argue are much more powerful, seven giant ass books to defeat two villains, Maeve and Erewhon. So you mean to tell me that Crescent City Gang will somehow defeat six Asteri in one book when half of the POV won't even be in Lunathian? And yes, Emily says, I know that SJM said that you don't need to read Akatar to understand CC3 and vice versa. We know that's not true now. But that still doesn't mean that SJM isn't going full steam ahead with the multiverse crossover. Emily says it just seems she'll add in extra information and context to catch up those to standalone readers. JK, you need to read all of it. Thus, in Emily's opinion, it's all leading up to SJM's final series, which will be a full multiverse crossover with Akatar, Crescent City, and Throne of Glass characters joining together to fight the Asteri and likely Orcus and Mantix and the Valg. This aligns with SJM's work in progress book series called Twilight of the Gods. Another word for Ragnarok. Before SJM deleted the her Pinterest board for Twilight of the Gods, it had images of Bryce, people with star powers, the Valkyries, and a Lady Thor, which we have talked about. Nesta could possibly be Lady Thor. Among other images, all banding together. And Emily is not really sure why people are so against this because she believes that it'll be super epic. And now that we know that is her true blue plan, it makes it that much more exciting. Emily has also fun fact. One of the world's alien flew past was covered in water. Ragnarok involves the world flooding the world station. The weather station in CC one reports the rainiest spring on record house of many waters being a possible Crescent city book. Rune's prophecy about the royal bloodline ending with him. What if it's because there will be no royal house left at all because there will be no Midgard and everyone will be forced to flee through the gates in the worlds if they can open them. 
X Cyber Candy says in KOA, when Aelin does fall through the world, it is said that she is faster than a shooting star, faster than light. Do you think SGM has looked into theories of space travel and traveling through space faster, slower than the speed of light? Because if Aelin was faster than light, theoretically, she could have been traveling back to the past. Just a detail I thought was interesting. Emmy says, yes, that SGM has hired an editor or someone who specializes in the science side of things. Some details she adds are very technical, like comparing winnowing to going through a wormhole whole i think it's interesting that like in the first couple of books she talks about like tamlin and reese storing things in that pocket between like, <laughs> but then it's like dropped off well i'm thinking that at that point she could have possibly been giving herself away like in the grand scheme of things where if we would have kept trying to keep things in pockets then you'd be like well if they can basically split open time like in tog then what's going to happen as she was preparing to introduce Crescent City where she's like, fuck, I've wrote myself into, like a better term, like a hole, and I need to get myself back out. So this is just as minor detail that I can just go ahead and drop. Maybe. You know what I mean? She likes red herrings. It can be a circle back, but again, it's such a minor detail that nobody's going to be hung up unless she would have just kept reiterating it. Amy Ego also says, I think it said in Akamath that Amran slipped through a crack in the sky when Prithian was forming. It's then interesting that when Aelin shut the gates at the end of KOA, she caused a crack in the sky in the God's world. And that's what started happening again. That's what Feyre and Reese like sealed was the crack in the sky. Yeah. Rip in the sky. Okay, so this person's theory, this is actually fun. They're talking about like where the dust court could have been and we've talked about this where the dust court could have been because they say like the prison island could have been the dust court yeah but if you look at the map of prithian it's so tiny yeah and it's nestled into the night court when you would think it would be between like the night and the day court which is the island that i actually thought it was but that's like the avalon island maybe we don't know allegedly but this person draws out like four different options of where it could have been well where could it have been Tell me. Okay. An attempt to catch both the night, the court of nightmares and the prison island, either the purple or magenta lines. I'll have to, we'll have to link to this because she's got like a bunch of lines drawn on the actual map. Like Charlie Day? Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, I'm here for it. Thinking of the rabbit of the Western wind led me to what I think is where the dust court may have been located. Highburn. What if Highburn was the dust court? What if Highburn was a court? Not, it's an island to the west. It is an island to the west, and it's big enough that it could be comparable to the night court. Yes. Okay, so option four, Highburn, but currently under the court of nightmares. Highburn lies to the west, the direction from which we see a westerly wind, and the direction in which the sun sets. Highburn is an island approximately the size of a Prithian court and has a king, not a high lord. Though we don't know what happened after the end of Akawar. What if Highburn was the dust court and at some long forgotten point in time, conquerors came from another court in search of land, power, or riches and overthrew the ruling high family? As for the prison island, I don't think that it was necessarily a part of the dust court, though I do think it could still contain trapped fairies. It's too close to the night court to have belonged solely to dusk. My crack theory is that it was the seat of the high king and the eight-pointed star was the symbol of a unified whole Prithian. That would have been eight courts, the eight-pointed star. Why have we never drawn that conclusion? God damn it. (laughs) And also, can we just talk about if it was a high king, the fact that the autumn king 
is literally the only one that goes by King. That the eight pointed star being in the the prison as well. Like, yeah, she's saying like that was the seat, like that's where they were. Oh my! Yeah, if fuck, we, there's. I've spread a theory. I don't remember who it was. We've talked about it. I feel like about Bryce like being the high queen of prison. Or whatever. Yes, but, like, yes. Essentially, just you know, when the knife and sword are reunited, so shall our people like the right. eight pointed star. Nesta has an eight pointed star on her back. So does Cassian. Then Bryce has one on her chest. Like eight quarts, eight pointed star. Why have we never put that together? I'm so annoyed. It took us 14, ev- 14 episodes to uh, to put that together. Also, Meryl's eyes are like twilight. Yes, we have. We I think we have said that in passing because we were like talking about just some of the like dust court um, descriptions, especially for Bryce. And I think that's but yes, for it to just like circle back around that way. And then God, there was something that. Cause I came, I thought about the hiking or the autumn king, but there was something else. So just also speaking of Meryl. So what compass direction wind is speaking to Meryl? Western. And where does Highburn sit compared to Prithian? Western. But if it's Koshche, he's to the other side. He's on the continent, right? Yes. But... That doesn't mean that, again, if he is, if, especially if it was like Highburn and Koshe is able to, I mean, basically pull to Voldemort and have himself split up. Because remember also, just speaking back around to Koshe, whenever we did that episode where we talked about the like mythology behind Koshe as an actual like Russian folklore or whatever, that he, his soul was like in a needle that was inside of this and that's a duck that was inside of a hair that was inside of a, and so he basically has himself protected, but maybe it with it being inside, she's taken it in a direction of again, like in a very like Voldemort Harry Potter sense of splitting it up. So then that way he's constantly protected. And so if he's over in Highburn and he's a quote Western, he's on a Western Island, a part of the Western wind. If he is somehow, who, you know, whatever, however he needs to be over there, he can still like position himself to be that voice that carries through the wind that goes right to Meryl. Cause he could essentially, if he's, if he is truly as has been theorized spread out across space and time in these different worlds, you know, if he is showing up, like he could have very well have been Erewhon. He could have been, you know, the astronomer, he like, if he is so stretched out, who's to say that he truly is not over had been, he could have very well been the King of Highburn and been the voice in Meryl's ear. And, you know, if there's someone that is after Highburn died and his, that part of his soul got sent back to where the fuck ever he could have split it again. And someone else could be over there. Just whispering in the wind, straight over to Meryl. Okay, let's talk about this for a second. What is it? What they done in? Okay, I've sent you this before. I didn't know how to say it. Tuat de Danen is uh, Irish mythology. And I sent this to you and I was like, you're going to die when you're reading this. Because Danen is spelt like Danon. Yes. This is Irish mythology. 
and Tuathdanan are often depicted as kings, queens, druids, bards, warriors, heroes, healers, craftsmen. They have supernatural powers. They dwell in the other world, but interact with humans and the human world. They're associated with the Sidhe, prominent ancient burial mounds, um, which are entrances to other world realms. Their traditional rivals are the Fomorians, who might represent the destructive powers of nature. Interesting that there's nature courts. Yeah. And whom the Tuath Day defeat in the Battle of Mag Turid. Okay. Anyways, the prominent members include Dagda, the Morrigan, Lu, Nuada, Angus, Brigid, Manon, Dian Sect, the Healer, and. Uh, Gobniu. I'm yeah. really impressed with you saying all those names because oh, you're welcome. I'm sure they're very wrong, but do some of those not sound, I don't know, familiar? So let's look up Dagda. Daglin. I was thinking Dagdan and Branna. Remember the freaky twins from High Oh, yeah, also them. This was a man portrayed as a father figure. Of King course, it was a man. He was associated with fertility, agriculture, manliness, and strength. Of course. And then we have the Morgan. Figure in Irish mythology. She has been translated as the Great Queen or Phantom Queen. Lug, L-U-G or L-U-G-H. Which the whole Great Queen, Phantom Queen, really gives me some Mave vibes, but... This person is portrayed as a warrior, a king, a master craftsman, and a savior. Like Jesus? Master craftsman? Wasn't Jesus a carpenter? Anyways. Yes. The whole thing that I'm trying to get at is the other world thing. Yeah. Um, because Akawar chapter 69, Reese says uh, he's giving them... Reese is giving him like the pep talk before the war, I think. Yeah. He says, we will walk into that field and accept only death when it comes to haul us away to the other world. Okay. Okay. This is the same person. I don't know if I said the name earlier. This is off to Rivendell on Tumblr. (gasps) Rivendell? Bilbo Baggins? I need to read those. This is the same person theorizing about Hybern being the dust court, essentially. Okay. Oh, okay, so this okay. is all part of the same thing. Okay. She says, did the sun set on the dust court? It's well known that SJM draws inspiration from myth and legend when writing her books. So when you're glancing at it, that Hybern could potentially be Ireland. Mm-hmm. It stands to reason that the stories specific to real world locations could influence the history of their Prithian counterparts. I like that theory. I do like that theory. So she says, of course, this is purely hypothetical, but she sees some parallels between the Dusk Court and the Tuath de Danon, which I'm t- trying to talk about now. <laughs> Tuath de Danon translates to tribe of the gods or people of the goddess Danu, also people of the mounds. Or they are Danon. said to be descendants of supernatural race who live underground in a world that is said to coexist with our own. Some stories call this world an alternate universe, and it is known as Otherworld spelled exactly the same way it is in Akawar, a realm of both the gods and the dead. So the underworld, the princes of hell. We learn in Akasef that the priestess Meryl was researching parallel universes and apparently there were up to 26 of them. Does that mean that there are 26 possible mounds of fairies from the dust court trapped in one way or another and scattered around Prithian in their world? Or where could they be? 
Meryl's brilliant, horrible, but brilliant. When she first came here, she was obsessed with theories regarding the existence of different realms, different worlds living on top of each other without even knowing it. The Ireland of the Tuath de Danon was invaded by the Milesians and the Tuath de said to be either elves or fairies escaped into their burrows underground. I suspect that this could be parallel the fairies of the dust court, or at least their high family and other important figures who would have been more likely and more able to flee the invasion that toppled their court. However, given that the harp showed Nesto when she was under the prison mountain, I believe that some are more trapped than others. Now this talks about throne of glass a little bit too. While the Fae of the Hewn City, which is interesting because the Hewn City is like underground. Like yeah. people just live there. Yeah. I always thought that was weird. And I mean, I know that, you know, Under the Mountain was modeled yeah. after that. And so, yeah, I did. I always. And Reese is, like, yeah, those people, they govern themselves. That's yeah. my job, but I don't really go there. What's up with that? Yeah. I always thought that was weird. And I think it's weird that. Moore's family used to run the night court and now they don't. Now Reese's family does. But Kier has the court of nightmares essentially. But Reese still has to be in Kier's good graces to use his armies. Why? If the court of nightmares is part of the night court and Reese, I mean, Reese goes there and he's in charge of the whole damn thing. So then, like, why does he have to ask Kier for his armies? Why can't he just, why aren't Kier's armies Reese's armies? I never really understood that part. You know, when he gives him, you know. Yeah. I mean, I just thought it was because Kier was a dick. and Yeah, but like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if Reese has. But yeah, when you pose it like that. Yeah. Why does he have to? Because basically he could have just chopped off his head and, you know, put it out in the spring court in tattooed his insignia on behind their ear. He. Oh, damn it. Now that it's almost midnight and we've decided to start drawing these kinds of conclusions and why do we do this to ourselves? Now that we talked about freaking Black Friday for hours, which we didn't talk last week. Like we, I mean, we weren't we here were, last week. So. We weren't in the same room at the same time. Fuck. Fucking cure. Goddamn motherfucker. Hate that motherfucker. Give me more. Give me more. Give me more. This is a lot. Does this need to be a part two? And we can continue it next week. Is it more to do with Rune Dannon? Is it more of like a, just a breakdown of the Irish mythology? Well, it's talking about, it's connecting Highburn to the dust court a little bit more. Oh, then yeah, we don't want to get deep into that. No, because it's, and then it's also bringing in like Helion and how he was freaked out by the mask. Yeah. Which we talked about a little bit, but like, but it's not all connected. And like, thinks that whenever they interrogated the adder, <gasps> Reese says mm-hmm. everything he said was true. She did the adder accidentally show Reese the dust court. Whenever he clawed into yeah. his mind and fuck. Okay, yeah. Part two. So thanks for coming to a part one. <laughs> we'll see you next week at part two, where we just try to you know raise the ridges of our brains and unlock the secrets of fucking irish mythology and sjm uh well while you're over there spiraling in to this 
world that we've built our podcast on. Come back and listen next week for part two, where we'll probably end up crying at the end of this. So can't wait. Super fun. Oh boy. And it's our bedtime. It's our bedtime. So thanks for listening. Rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. Five stars only. If you don't like it, keep it to yourself. Keep it to yourself. Okay. (laughs) We, we, we will spiral and listen as a Lexapro girly. I can't have you be giving me anything less than a five-star <laughs> review. <laughs> it'll, it'll be devastating for everyone involved. <laughs> so then follow the show on Instagram in the Tiki Talk at Accord of Theories. Follow us on our personal pages. Send your unhinged theories or whatever you found throughout this entire episode. Or honestly, if you're Emmy Yago or Emily's theories, Call us. And so send us all that jazz at a court of theories at Gmail or slide on into our DMs. Become a patron by paying your spring tithe on Patreon for exclusive content and fun goodies. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Love you. Bye. Bye. Stop this bitch. <laughs> <laughs>